Hey everybody, you're listening to the show before the show, and I'm Armando Torres. And I'm Paige Wesley. And with us we have... Andrea Gazetta. Yay! Uh, we got a great episode for you. It's one of the first times in a long time where no one gets hurt, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. People just get orgasms. (laughs) (laughs) And hey, that's the world I want to live in. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's a really fun episode. Uh, Super great time. Um, Before we jump into it, we got some news and reviews. (laughs) Uh, We have a Patreon. Our Patreon is doing pretty well, and I'm really happy. Thank you you so much. It's it's amazing how much uh, support we're getting, and we love all of you. And uh, some of you have been getting your packages. and loving them and i'm super happy because we spent a lot of time so much time uh making them absolutely perfect we packed them all we made andrea watch the thing which (laughs) catapulted me into like a week-long young kurt russell movie marathon in my house so you're saying it like it's a bad thing it's not a bad thing at all it's so handsome oh my god yes and i yell at the television i'm a yeller so (laughs) the whole time we're watching the thing it's just what are you doing Uh, my favorite was just this is horrifying (laughs) that was great uh yeah our patreon is uh a real fun time for just five dollars a month you get access to a bonus episode every other week and these are sometimes uh basically just full-length bonus episodes that are structured like our normal show um it's not really us just talking like our main feed bonus episodes they're literally bonus episodes of our actual show. Yeah, they're usually things that are either, you know, part of a regular episode that we couldn't fit into a normal episode mm-hmm. or a completely separate group or phenomenon that's not necessarily a cult, but yeah. should definitely be covered, like the one that's upcoming. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, highly recommend. I'm it's so a, excited. It's a great time. Recently, on this last week's uh, Speculation Zone episode, we covered uh, the origins of Hitler's mustache, which is a fun time, because it's something we talked about in the episode, and I actually went out, did my research, and came back, and was like, ah, let's talk about a fucking stupid way to style your facial hair. Mm-hmm. Um, also, we've got a live show, and it is tomorrow. Yay! Come out. Come out. Yeah. Tickets are still available. It's uh, in Los Angeles, by the way. Yes, it's yeah. in Burbank, California at Geeky Tees and Games at 7.30 p.m. Tickets are $10 right now on our website, which is coltpodcastshow.com slash Burbank. Or you can get them at the door for $15, but we highly recommend getting them in advance so that you can A, save money, and B, tell us how much fucking cake to bring for our two-year potiversary. <laughs> we need to know about the cake. Hell yeah, dog. Uh, yep. And uh, before we jump in, jump into this episode, let's get some five-star reviews. <laughs> Uh, this one comes to us from Snow2040, uh, and the subject is Howdy There, and it says... Hey there from deep in the bayou of a Louisiana swamp. I am indeed just a simple gator lawyer from Honey Island. Thank you for drumming up some additional business for me. I do have a small firm here among the Cypress. I do enjoy your comedic take on such a serious subject, Please continue to provide a bit of knowledge with a smile. If you're ever in the bayou, stop on by. Ah, he's such a cute guy. Wait, you mean stop on by you? Am I right? Laissez le bon temps rouler. This next review comes to us from Erica, and it says, This podcast tickles my fancy. 
Uh, heard Only about with your consent. <laughs> of course. <laughs> heard about this podcast from the degenerates, and now I may or may not listen to it more than the deadgies. Oh, sorry, Bobby and Ryan. Shh. But not so sorry. Thank you for joining us. Don't have fun with all of us. Don't tell them. They it listen. Says. <laughs> <laughs> Love how informative and comedic the hosts are, and it makes for some interesting dreams when I re-listen to the episodes during my sleepy time. Thanks for the great show, y'all. Oh no. If if it makes it any better, uh, one of my coworkers started listening to Bobby's science podcast after Ooh. hearing him on the show. So we trade. We trade. Um, yeah. We want to thank all of you for listening to the show, our Patreon members for supporting the show. We got some of your shout outs in this episode. Yeah, um, stay tuned for the shout outs. And uh, yeah, without any further ado, let's start the show. Hello. 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 I'm not even trying to harmonize anymore because I am bad. <laughs> <laughs> For the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm. Organizations that require physical or monetary sacrifice as a condition of membership. Organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers. Organizations in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships. And organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits, and as always... These are our opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Armando Torres. And with us we have Andrea Gazzetta. Yay! And it's Armando's week. It is. Hello. Brat, uh, brat. <laughs> it's I'm gonna be honest with you guys. This is early. It's uh a little what is it? Nine oh my god, it's nine eleven. Uh this podcast was an inside <laughs> show. Never forget. <laughs> um it is early for us, but we're here to just talk about some crazy shit. This is um every now and then we will get a an email sent to us at uh, coldpodcastshow at gmail.com or uh, the, 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 our website has like a contact us section. And every so often we will get something of like, every so often we will get recommendations for cults. Right. And a lot of the time somebody's like, hey, I think this thing I was in is a cult or like, hey. Uh, I think you guys should cover this unknown cult, and there's just like Jonestown. Hey, David, Miscavige's laser eyes can't melt steel beams. <laughs> you know. Well, that I'll never forget. Um, <laughs> follow the money. Halliburton did it anyway. <laughs> and uh, then they were bought by Hasbro. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we were talking about this off air, but. Uh, Hasbro now owns Death Row Records, which is the weirdest. I don't even believe we're living in the real world anymore. I if can't wait to play that board game. <laughs> Monopoly, Death Row. I'm just picturing cause... It's just a Ouija board for rappers. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, it's Operation, but it's your Dr. Dre. <laughs> trying to get, you know, your doctorate. So we got... Uh, we got an email and very rarely while I'm reading an email about the cult, do I ever audibly go, 
what the fuck? And then you just screenshotted it and sent it to the two of us. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, how, first of all, how have I not heard of this? Yeah, 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 yeah. Secondly, yeah. Uh, while researching it, it is as crazy as it sounds. Nice. But it seems like this group existed fully to be made into a cult podcast episode. Yay! <laughs> It's it's like literally one of the most perfect cults, and I wish I could have spent a slightly longer time doing it, um, but I think that this episode covers pretty much the entire history uh, of the group. But man, this one goes out to Jay, listener Jay, who sent me this email. I'm not going to read it at the top because I want the story to be fresh to everyone when we tell it. But this one comes to us from a listener named Jay. Can you, at the end, can you read the email? Yeah. You sent us the email and I was just like, what, what the, the fuck? fuck? Yeah. 100% yes. <laughs> I think that'll make it better with the context of everything that right, happened. Right, right, right. Uh, so before we hop into it, I want to cover uh, some sources. This one. Uh, our sources are going to be the article, A Biography of Cyrus Teed by Peter Hicks. Uh, and then we have the book, The Allure of Immortality by Lynn Milner. And I cannot, I cannot recommend this book enough. It is uh, 360 some pages, maybe. I think that's how long it is. I was originally going to do what I do with most books, which is where like I kind of skim through it. And then like I look for certain information and read in depth more. And then before we do the episode, I read it. I bought this book and I read it in one day. It is very good. Really? It is a very good book. I cannot recommend it enough. There's a lot of parts in this story where we kind of, just because of time, we kind of have to gloss over some stuff. Cannot recommend it enough. Get this book. It's super great. Um, it's only available on like Kindle or something or like paperback, but they do have an audiobook version um super great book super recommend it and then we have several articles listed on uh the highly credible website webmd wonderful um, yeah so great yes so today we all have cancer <laughs> yeah that's how i figured out what my rashes are yeah i was trying to find out what was wrong with my laptop and it turns out my laptop has cancer <laughs> it's never lupus call dr dre <laughs> <laughs> So today we're covering the Koreshian Unity and its leader, Cyrus Teed. He sounds like a country music star. Hi everybody, this is Cyrus Teed and I'm happy to announce that I have just been signed to Death Row Records. <laughs> you can expect my album and my action figure out July. Thank you. Pickup trucks and whiskey. That's my favorite song. <laughs> I was thinking it was going to be more like... My tractor done left me for my best friend. <laughs> Tony Kansas here. I can get you a replacement real fast. There we go. Come on. It's just not the same. <laughs> we were high school sweethearts. I knew fucking with the John Deere software would fuck up something. <laughs> she plowed my field, if you know what I mean. <laughs> it's not gay if it's a tractor. <laughs> I'm a That's tractor. my second favorite song. <laughs> Featuring the hologram of Tupac Shakur. <laughs> just to, I'm just I'm not gonna rap. I'm just here to assure everyone that it is in fact not gay if it's a tractor. <laughs> uh, so, so you guys 
getting getting back into it. You guys, you neither of you have heard about this group, right? No, just from that email. Although people have requested it before, but they didn't give any details. Yeah, where they were just like, "Do this," and I was just like. Cool. When I have time to look that up, I will. Pro tip to anyone who wants to suggest this any cult uh, at all is give us the reasons why you would want to hear it. Because that is 100% the reason that we're doing this episode. Oh, yeah. Well, and another thing, too. If, if, <laughs> if the cult is still around and you know that they're super litigious... It's going to be a bit before we get to them. Yeah. We basically have to wait for somebody to win and win against them in court because we can't afford to sue them. I can't believe how many like sometimes I get actual DMs where people are like, are you going to cover Scientology? Do you have you heard All about the time. Scientology? All the time. Like two or three times a week. You heard about this guy's laser eyes? Anyway. Um. <laughs> they can't melt steel beams. Please. I guess we can eyes. like count them. <laughs> Like hungry eyes? I thought you were just writing the jingle for a LASIK commercial. (laughs) One look at you and my face is fried. You've got (laughs) laser eyes. Oh, Oh, man. (laughs) So you guys ready to hop into this one? I'm so excited. Yes. (laughs) All right. Let's get to it. So Cyrus Reed Teed was born on October 18th. 1839. Ooh, we in that early America drip. Yeah. Also, his tractor was a horse. (laughs) (laughs) This makes so much more sense now. His tractor's just his own two hands, which means you guys have just been talking about jerking off this whole time. No, it sounds like he was fucking that horse. (laughs) Uh, He was born in what is now the town of Trout Creek, New York. However... Back in 1839, it was called Teedville because the town was actually founded by the Teed family back in the late 1700s. And the Teeds, if you weren't able to tell, were fucking loaded. I don't know if you could tell by them just owning a town because not many families have I own a town money. Yeah, mainly just the bushes, but it's like instead of a town, it's like a country. <laughs> or And everyone's privates. Yeah. <laughs> or the infamous crime family, the Kansases. The Kansas. Kansas. Tony Kansas. Don't ask me where I got these tractors. Don't ask me. Don't They fell they fell off the tractor truck. <laughs> um so was the horse his sister? Sorry, never mind. <laughs> I'm just stuck on the horse. Just like he was. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Hansy, if you will. Or not. These are all lies. It doesn't matter because he's dead. He can't sue us. Go ahead. The Teed family was super rich, all except for Cyrus's branch of the family, because according to the other Teeds, Cyrus's grandfather was nothing but a problem child, and so he and his offspring had all been cut out of the Teed family fortune. <gasps> yeah. Family I, drama. I tried to look up why his grandfather was like considered a problem child. And the thing about records back then is that they're very obscure, very weird, and they're all pretty much hearsay. So all I could find about his grandfather is that he just worked a bunch of different jobs. That's it. That's like he provided for his family. He had like a thousand kids, as was the time uh, or as was the fashion of the time. And, Which uh, is tough to do because the horse gestation period is much longer than humans. <laughs> uh, he had, like, I don't, there's nothing to suggest that 
next to anyone normal, he would look like a problem child, at least from like the records that they had. But then I found the records of his brother, Samuel Teed, who founded Teedville, who was apparently a revolutionary war hero who rode with, a, apparently rode with um, Paul, Revere? Paul Revere on the run that alerted the, the, the forces that the British were coming. And then after that, he became like their equivalent of a millionaire which i feel like is just a five dollar heir or whatever i don't know the money he had many horses yeah he was he was fucking mad horses dude concubines (laughs) (laughs) and so compared to that you always look bad yeah but again that's all i was able to find and while being broke is never easy it's even harder in the middle of a recession because old cyrus teat had been born right after the panic of 1837 that sent the nation into a depression that lasted years so in need of a place to live and not being able to rely on the 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 other teed family cyrus and his parents packed up and moved to the town of new hartford new york to live with cyrus's mother's family the tuttles and while papa tuttle didn't have i own a town money he did have some good land and a job that was virtually recession proof he was a baptist minister which is something that we've seen time and time again. So Preacher big- son's wiling out. <laughs> I mean, if you grew up in, in the church, you know that pastor kids, PKs, are, are always kind of wiling out. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's a thing. <laughs> yeah, big shocker. The guy that later went on to call himself a messiah was raised religiously. Uh, Weird. Early in his life, he was either at church, studying the Bible, or listening to Reverend Grandpa and his thoughts about the New Testament. All of this was basically daily life until he turned 11, when Cyrus dropped out of school and found a job in order to help support his family. At the time, obviously, not super uncommon at all. It was kind of what people were expected to do, especially for kids with families as big as Cyrus's, because at the time, 17 people lived on the Tuttle property, and most of them were either too young or too old to work. So in 1850, Cyrus began working as a hoggy. Um, Is that like a hoagie? Yeah, that's what I had. I literally <laughs> have it written down. Because he had nice buns. <laughs> <laughs> I literally have written down here, Hoggy just sounds like someone from the Midwest talking about their favorite sandwiches. Mm. Oh, yeah, there. I love a Hoggy, eh? That sounds, I guess, Canadian? That was very Canadian. I feel like Canada is the Midwest as a country. It's the Midwest kind of. of the world. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Okay, there. Okay, now. <laughs> They've got cheese curds. They put them on fries with gravy. Oh it's my delicious. God. It's, it's so, so good. good. I just fucking thinking about poutine. Just fucking. Mm. So a hoggy is one of those jobs from the era before child labor laws. It's like chimney sweeps or any real sweep at all back in the day if you had a problem you just threw your countless children at it until the problem got solved that's, that's how stained glass windows were made so cheaply fun fact <laughs> it's oh. just true that's why so many Child of them labor. broke because they fucked up and threw it through the window i was at work one day and i was like i was asking my boss i was like hey how come we don't make windows like we used to like these are amazing he goes fun fact child labor it's yeah. like oh god Ooh. Basically, the job was, as boats went up and down the Erie Canal, he and other hoggies 
their job was to ride the mules that pulled the boat along the water. It was kind of like having a sail that you had to feed and take care of. Uh, and reading the job description fucking makes me feel tired. Over the course of six hours, he would walk 15 miles, take an hour break, and then walk another 15 miles. Uphill both ways? Basically. Uh, and then he'd sleep or spend any of his free time on a boat with the animals. So he didn't even get his own room and board. He had to sleep with all the other boys along with the horses, which is probably where his love of. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say when you were like, yeah, it's a sale that you have to feed. I was like, and also sometimes buy gifts and say nice things. But like, <laughs> yeah. look, if it was good enough for Jesus, I don't know why it's not good enough for everyone else. <laughs> That's true. Jesus did ride a mule. And he'd do this every day. For seven months at a time, all for eight dollars a month, which oh, is God. oh god, which is still in today's money only two hundred and thirty dollars. Boo! Cyrus worked as a hoggy for about nine years. Ugh. Eventually, he started making a man's wage, which was three times as much as the children, but it was still only the modern equivalent of $690 a month. But still, that's seven months of work, which, and it's like, it's fucking work. I don't know, like that He's probably ripped. Yeah, for a while. Um, shredded. Although also <laughs> undernourished, so I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's the other thing. And apparently every second that he wasn't working, he, he was just, he just had his nose deep inside the bible i'm talking fucking balls deep in the lord you're not okay. supposed to put your balls there no <laughs> i don't think you're reading correctly at I'm all like, you need to check leviticus again because if you lay your balls with the bible you should be stoned to death and your blood will be on your own head <laughs> i'm pretty fucking stoned but i don't know if to death dude <laughs> That's how I read books. That's why I said this book was so good. <laughs> uh, in fact, in 1859, at the age of 20, he announced to his family that he would be pursuing a new career. And everyone expected him to take after Reverend Grandpa and become a Baptist minister. Instead, he announced that he was actually following a different family member's footsteps. He was starting an apprenticeship under his uncle, Dr. Samuel F. Teed. Basically, in this family, the only way to be successful is to be named Samuel. There are a thousand Samuel Teeds, and each one is the successful son. Hmm. Oh, it's like uh, 100 Years of Solitude. Yeah, I'm cultured. What? I know Never what you're mind. talking about. It's fine. No, you're just smarter than the room. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Why are you apologizing, you fucking nerd? It's it's, it's been a while. And it's I'm a like, book where there's the it follows a family it? for a yes. hundred years, yeah. and each person there's always two brothers, and they always have the same name, and they always follow the same like pattern. Yeah. So like one brother always fulfills a specific role, and they're all named after each other, and it's really confusing and hard to read. Oh wow. That's it. That's just Ancestry.com, the book. <laughs> uh, but that wasn't the only big reveal that Cyrus had for his family. That same year, he also courted and married a woman named Fidelia Rowe. It's a pretty fancy name for a mule. <laughs> <laughs> and as one of Cyrus's relatives described Fidelia, she was, quote, not particularly strong mentally 
or physically. What? Oh no. That's <laughs> like that's some shade back in the day. Yeah. And if that description isn't wild enough for you, try this one on for size. Oh no. Because not only was Fidelia only 16 when the two were married. Ooh. But she was also Cyrus's second cousin. Oh. Which means that that quote from earlier was from her own family member. <laughs> Where they were like, she's always been kind of stupid. Wait yeah. a minute. Is that a way to say that she had a mental handicap? I don't think so. I think she was just not the smartest. I mean, if you're marrying cousin after cousin for too long. they well, very, But it is second cousin. Second cousin is technically fine. From a physical standpoint, second cousins have no, uh, no more. Um, they're no more at risk for having complications than people that are not related. Okay, That's, I mean, but also, don't fuck your cousins. Yeah, don't don't, don't, fuck, your don't fuck your cousins. Don't fuck your cousins. It don't. It's weird. You're gonna you have were, to go to a family reunion, yeah. and then you're just gonna get all horny. You, yeah. <laughs> what? You saw them through that weird teenage phase. Remember that. Like, yeah. you were there for that. When their voice was crackly and they were really into Hollywood undead. And you're like, I don't know if I'll fuck with you. I've never been so happy that Armando is an only child. <laughs> I got two half-brothers, but I didn't grow up with them like that. Uh, but you could have sex with them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are half-brothers okay? No. no probably no, not. No, no. No, you you share, like, one parent, right? God, yeah. I hope we don't. If we, if me and my brothers had kids, they'd just be bad. Um, that works, right? <laughs> that in a hundred years of solitude or whatever the fuck you dumbass book was. <laughs> no anyway. one is gonna birth your giant rotisserie chickens out of their dick. So <laughs> one of one of the things that look like a windsock. <laughs> we should cut all of this out. No, this should all oh, stay in. This is this is this is good content, baby. You up, bro? So I don't think that she had an intellectual disability. I, um, because one of the fun things that happens on this podcast is we go through so many different time periods and you see what people back then called that. Yeah. And so back then they called, uh, having an intellectual disability being idiotic. That was the actual description that they used. Okay. So there was two people on their property that were quote unquote idiotic. Uh, that like in the census, that's the words that they used, which means that they were they had they suffered from an intellectual disability. That's, but she was not listed that way. No, they just her family was just just like <laughs> fucking dumbass, <laughs> <laughs> which is so much worse. I mean, the other thing that could have happened though too is like. This is a time when women are not as educated as they are now because they didn't have the same opportunities. So in many, many cases, women are characterized as being not as intelligent or not as strong of mind. And a lot of times it's just because like no one taught them to read. No one taught them to read. Like they didn't get to person. go to school. Like, yeah, yeah. And, you know, their opinions aren't valid if we pretend like they're stupid. So like that, that could is, be that. So two things. First of all, that is spot on and will be super relevant later okay um i'm not saying like oh can it for now you woman no i'm, <laughs> I'm saying uh how dare you learn to read <laughs> i'm saying that is spot on um secondly 
that's why I love this podcast so much because it's two women that are just infinitely smarter than I am. <laughs> As, <laughs> as I, I'm just like all my knowledge is placed in the intricacies of hip hop beefs and <laughs> yeah, only on paper. I don't. <laughs> it's... I'm not smart on paper. I'm smarter in person because yeah. on paper it says film degree. <laughs> <laughs> now it does also say UCLA on that paper, but it's still a film degree. <laughs> <laughs> so the cousin couple moved to New York City. Uh, and they moved to the borough of Brooklyn so that Cyrus could study medicine. And in February 1860, only 10 months after their wedding, Fidelia gave birth to their son, Arthur. Now, again, strictly speaking, if you have a child with your second cousin, you are no more at risk than non-related parents for having any sort of complication. Unless that child is an aardvark like <laughs> Arthur. <laughs> There you go. Hold on, it's like I have some phone calls to make. <laughs> I had some weird cartoons that I watched in childhood, and this makes a lot more sense now. So, what is weird about it is it did force me to have to Google the phrase, if two cousins have a baby, is that baby their cousin? Oh. <laughs> Oh. And let okay. me tell you, Google went, what? <laughs> <laughs> and apparently no one else has Googled this because I couldn't, no matter That's what. That's impossible. Alabama exists. I fucking, I rearrange. Well, I don't think they're asking themselves philosophical <laughs> questions about it. I think they're just accepting it. I, I looked through everything and here's what I was able to find. Technically speaking, from a genealogy standpoint, if your second cousin has a child, that means that to you, that child is your second cousin once, once removed. removed. So their son, Douglas Arthur Teed, was also their second cousin, cousin once, once removed. removed. That makes sense. <laughs> Which Yikes. that means you just have to be like... <laughs> You just have to be like, ah, this is my cousin wife and my cousin baby. Well, I mean, it just gives you an excuse to like leave that kid somewhere and be like, see you at Christmas. Because like that's <laughs> when you, the only time you see second cousins once removed. If ever. Yeah. I got the giant Italian family, so I have many, many first cousins once removed and a few second cousins yeah, me that too. I know. Any yeah. hot ones? Not many my age. Gotcha. Oh, wait. Never mind. Yeah. No. I, the, <laughs> the cousins that are closer in age to me are first cousins. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So despite all of these good things happening in Cyrus's life, there was something else happening around this time that overshadowed all of it. The Civil War. <laughs> That's the bugle. <laughs> it's not an arrow. <laughs> yay, yay, freedom. <laughs> Uh, in August of 1862, at the age of 22, Cyrus joined most of the able-bodied men in his family by joining the Union Army. Now, if you ask Cyrus or any of his followers later in life, they'll tell you that he was asked to join the Union as a medic. And of course, Dr. <laughs> and of course, Dr. Daddy Cousin followed his duties as an American. However, that story is not the truth. He did join the army just under different circumstances. 
Dr. Daddy Cousin. <laughs> yeah. You know, they my... say Dr. Daddy Cousins have more venom than regular cousins, <laughs> but they can't break the skin. They can't open their mouth wide enough. Uh, I'm just really sad that he wasn't some form of Hispanic, because then he would have been uh, Dr. Poppy Primo. And I think that's... <laughs> that's so cute. Oh if we God. ever open a pizza place, <laughs> it's Dr. Pop, Dr. Poppy Primos. <laughs> or a taco stand. <laughs> Why does this pizza have so many spiders? <laughs> Don't worry, because they're not as venomous as Daddy Poppy Primos. Because they fu- can't open their mouths. I fucking hate this restaurant. There's just random sexy horses going in and out the back at all hours of the day. <laughs> so distracting. So what what happened was Cyrus enlisted as a corporal in the 127th New York Infantry headed by a man whose real name was General Abercrombie. Now, he is most famous for working with <laughs> Colonel <laughs> Fitch. For, I was going to say for riding shirtless into yeah. battle. His whole thing was you had to fucking smell great and you had to look good with your shirt off. His always, cologne was spraying the barracks with cologne. That's what they use instead of a trumpet. They just played the axe body spray. It's chemical warfare. People just pass out from allergies, which is what happens when I go in an Abercrombie and Fitch. You just go to their barracks and there's two shirtless soldiers outside. They only pick the hottest ones to stand there. What I love is that means their flag just had a giant embroidered seagull or whatever the fuck on it. So, I think that's Hollister. I don't oh, fucking know. I might be wrong. Wait, aren't they the same thing? I don't. I can't fit I into any yeah. of that shit. So it's, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if it's Amber Crombie, Fitch, or Hollister, but one of them was like we like they purposefully like shame you into being fat. Like yeah. the fat sizes are way up tall, which fucking that jokes was, on you. I can reach it still, you bitch. That was <laughs> Amber Crombie, but even their fat sizes are like not. Plus oh yeah, sizes. I'm yeah. not. Plus their fucking clothes are ugly as all fuck. They're so, so boring. Yeah. Well, you're not white. They're not meant for you. That's right. I'm half white, so I can wear like their shorts and that's it. <laughs> They're like, these are for the mayonnaise eaters. You go to a different <laughs> store. They're half white, which means you get a crop top. Yeah. <laughs> this is the striped polo crop top. Crop top summer. Yeah. Yes. I haven't had a chance to wear my Danny DeVito crop top in oh public yet, but I'm going to find a way. I'm wearing crop top shorts, baby. What? It's just they cover most of my dick and then you just see the balls. <laughs> Crop top summer, maybe. Why is everyone less on board so now? I don't know. Balls. I feel like you'd just be wearing like boat shoes and people are like, yo, we can see your buoys. <laughs> <laughs> this is now this is what I call content, baby. <laughs> this is this podcast is off the rails. <laughs> I'm so, so tired. So Getting back on the rails, his regiment was sent to brigade headquarters in Virginia, where his job description was pretty familiar to him. He was walking for miles up and down the Union lines, making sure that the Confederacy wasn't on their way to headquarters. Walking? I'm great at walking. (laughs) Basically, he was like America's security guard. Oh. That's that's like the best way I can explain it. He, Observe and report. He's just on a Segway. <laughs> Make sure you stay near Abercrombie. <laughs> Calm down, America's mall cop. <laughs> he did actually have quite a bit of experience with the Army's medics, though, but it was mostly from being a patient because a year into his service on August 1st, 1863... 
Cyrus was hospitalized with a really bad case of heat stroke. Rut row. Yeah. I mean, most of the people that died in the Civil War didn't die from battle. Yeah, no, they died no. from like sepsis and shit. Yeah, yeah, they died from other shit. And while being defeated by the sun is kind of what white people do. <laughs> <laughs> Been there. Been there. Same. Yes. Yes. But this time it was particularly bad. Uh, the heat stroke caused Cyrus to have temporary paralysis of his left arm and leg. Oh, my God. Damn. Yeah. Honey, wear a hat. <laughs> <laughs> and he went, just fucking, hey, guy. Hey, everyone, just go stop the podcast, press pause, and go out and get yourself a big old glass of water. All right? <laughs> Wear, get a bonnet, get your long sleeves on. You know, you wouldn't have been paralyzed even wearing that hat. <laughs> I got you a hat. You don't wear the hat. This is your own fault if you would have just listened to your mother. Okay, here's the thing, General Abercrombie. You gave me the hat, but it's so fucking gaudy. I would not be caught dead wearing this shit. Gaudy? It's from Abercrombie and Fitch. It's plain as fuck. <laughs> I'm remembering early 2000s Abercrombie and Fitch where it was just like, how can how can we be full volume as a color? Uh, anyway, sorry. And also sexual puns with surfboards. Hell yeah. Yes. Remember that? And then school was like, y'all got to cut that shit out. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> Stop wearing your sex wax brand shirt. That's a real brand of surf wax. I'm, this is whatever. We had... In my high school days, we had uh, shirts that were just naked women because that's what streetwear brands started doing. Mm -hmm. Just like naked women or most commonly uh, naked women who had been photoshopped to have the head of Marilyn Monroe on them. Not just carrying it. That'd be weird. No. (laughs) Now I want that shirt. (laughs) That sounds amazing. She murdered Marilyn Monroe. A Supreme. Get at me. Her name is Barbituate. Yes. I'm 100% that barbiturate. So here's the thing, real quick. If you want to make fan art of Lizzo <laughs> holding the their head of Marilyn Monroe, the zombie head yes. of Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, you got to make it a get zombie. Get at me. Get it has to be a zombie because yeah. it has to be in the has, realm yeah. of fantasy and ridiculousness. Because yeah. I'm not saying that we should cut off women's heads. I'm not about that, but it would be funny. Right. Yeah. yeah no. For please, sure. please send that to us. <laughs> After he lost the use of his left arm and leg, by the way, temporarily, I want to make okay, that very clear. So it clear. comes back. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, he yeah. didn't change his name to Eileen? <laughs> <laughs> That's old school. My mom tells that joke. That's I love good. you. <laughs> I have twice, maybe three times today, watched Paige almost spit water out onto her laptop <laughs> because of a joke you did. Good job. Um, That's a joke she did. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on a roll this week. <laughs> so he was forced to spend 61 days in a Civil War era hospital, which is really fucking bad. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Civil War era medicine, but their jello selection, hella limited. <laughs> it uh, is hell out there. It's all bone broth jelly. War, war is hell, and he eats the green one because that's all that's left. <laughs> their jello is just I maggots, like I think. Oh, right? Oh, maybe. Heart attack, remember? Very possible. Probably. <laughs> remember all those guys were like, oh, 
I'm reading hardtack because that's how it was. <laughs> <laughs> so after he was deemed unfit for service, he was discharged. Cyrus returned home to his cousin wife and cousin baby in Brooklyn uh, and got right back to studying medicine. In February of 1868, at the age of 29, he graduated from the Eclectic Medical College of the City of New York, or E-M-C-O-T-C-O-N-Y for short, which shouts out to my eclectic medical college folks go fighting long names <laughs> eclectic medical college looks like sounds like they just gathered some people together like i guess it's a college now it kind of yeah. did he graduated from the second class Ooh. ever that the school okay, ever had. story checks out at yeah, the yeah, time yeah. basically eclectic uh medical college was um they wanted the, the point of eclectic medicine Again, as far as I understand it, I could be wrong, but the way the book described it was that they wanted to treat the underlying reason for your symptoms and not just cure your symptoms. So they weren't just bloodletting you. They're yeah. like, let's yeah. figure out why you're sick. Yeah. Maybe they wanted to, hands. They wanted to figure out what the reasons were and try and do that. So it was different from, quote unquote, orthodox medicine at the time, which we'll kind of get into later about how fucked up medicine was, yeah, it was uh, really at fucked. the time. After graduating, he moved his family to Utica, where he and his uncle, the one that started his love of medicine in the first place, opened a joint practice. You know, a classic uncle-nephew practice that would hopefully one day be an uncle, second cousin, daddy, cousin, cousin, baby, <laughs> nephew practice. So joint practice, Hot. what are we talking? Pre-rolls? <laughs> hey, 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 hey. That's my homeopathy <laughs> right there. Uh, homeo, pass me that joint. <laughs> hey. Puff, puff, path you that joint. <laughs> Get it right. Homeo pass me that joint. I'm sorry. I don't know what I know it wasn't the most popular punchline, but it's my favorite thing I've ever said. Okay. And while Cyrus's family tree might be a little different, so was his career as a doctor. His family tree is more like a shrub. Like oh, yeah. it doesn't grow up, but it grows out. <laughs> One of his biggest beliefs was that prescription drugs were evil. In fact, on the street outside of he and his uncle's office was a giant sign that read, He who deals poison deals death. Unfortunately for Cyrus, the office was on the second story and the ground floor of his building belonged to a very popular bar, so most people just figured that it was a tongue-in-cheek joke by the bartender. That's hilarious. That is pretty hilarious. Uh, but Cyrus took his beliefs very seriously. According to the local pharmacy's records, he and his uncle never wrote a single prescription. And looking back, maybe it was kind of a good thing. Yeah. Because back then, they used to cure syphilis with arsenic. They used <laughs> they used heroin to cure asthma symptoms. But think about it, like... <laughs> And they used... Do you want to stop syphilis? Kill everyone with syphilis. <laughs> oh, my God. It technically works. This is arsenic, yeah. And they used to cure toothaches with cocaine. Hell, yeah. <laughs> Which is really funny because if you've ever seen somebody on just cocaine... grinding the fuck out of their teeth. You just see them causing a toothache for themselves later. And despite Cyrus's aversion to drugs, his practice was pretty successful. During the days, he was able to treat patients, and at night, he was able to work on his new hobby, 
becoming a mad scientist. Yeah. Where did he get a DeLorean in the 1890s? <laughs> Where we're going, we won't need DeLoreans. And then he's just fucking a horse. Anyway. It's um, just, yeah, I was going to say, it's also just a horse. This horse has suicide doors. <laughs> the rib cage <laughs> oh god oh god it's like a it's saw trap like that scene what in midsummer fuck? <laughs> now this sounds like a joke but i do not have a better way to describe what he did he used the profits from his day job to build a legit laboratory next to his home where he conducted a bunch of random experiments. If that's not a fucking mad scientist, I don't know what is. Here's the thing. He's an entrepreneur. <laughs> What's he entrepreneuring? Thanks, Fidelia. <laughs> He's entrepreneuring not having cocaine in all your medicine? I don't know. <laughs> I feel like most entrepreneurs... I have the biggest fucking toothache. You know what I mean? I mean, when you think about it, if we're looking at entrepreneurs, I feel like you'd want cocaine because all it does is make you think of small business ideas. <laughs> <laughs> According to Cyrus, his experiments allowed him to do stuff like power a motor with just electricity, which is... Pretty fucking impressive. Like a like a uh, 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 gasoline motor would have typically been. He also said that he was even able to taste the different electrical currents in minerals like mercury, gold, and silver. We've Honey. all licked a battery. Yeah. <laughs> we have at family gatherings. Thanks, Dad. Uh... It's called foreplay, you asshole. <laughs> Oh, God. I didn't mean a car battery. <laughs> That's why you did it at the family reunion. Yeah. Oh, my God. But in, uh, but in 1869, hey, 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 at, nice. the, at the fucking sexy age of 30, um, Cyrus experiments broke through to reveal a huge new discovery. According to Cyrus, he had discovered a way to turn lead into into gold no. alchemy shit no he didn't he called his new formula the philosopher's stone uh and wrote that he had finally found a way to mix science with spirituality obviously he didn't invent alchemy he also didn't invent the term the philosopher's yeah, stone. yeah nicholas flamel did uh yeah. actually no it was invented by jk rowling and uh <laughs> nicholas flamel is a the real person oh okay god damn it you nerds I, by the way, my cousin listens to this podcast because he was like, I'm, I drive around all day, dog. I'm looking for like new podcasts to listen to. And I wreck, I was like, oh, you can check us out. And then he texted me an hour later and said, dog, straight up. When you said Harry Potter was boring, fucking hurt, dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite, my favorite fucking text I've ever gotten. It's not boring. As he rested on his couch in the lab, going over what his new discovery meant for the world, something else happened. He felt a sharp pain in his brain and got a massive migraine. Then he felt a weird sensation all over his body and realized that he no longer had control of his limbs. But before Cyrus could freak out, he had a vision. A beautiful woman who claimed to be God appeared before him and revealed the secrets of the universe. God. Do you think he just jerked it too hard? <laughs> uh, haven't ever seen God yet, so I'll let you know once I find out. Okay. Right. God told Cyrus that the Earth and the universe are contained within a concave sphere. This shit got hollow earth in it, dog. What? It's got everything. 
Uh, but instead of being just a sphere, it was contained in a cell. And the sun, which existed in the center of the cell, is an electromagnetic battery that keeps everything in the universe rotating, but on the inside. So we need to lick it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she also told Cyrus that he had lived many lives. And this was the first one where he unlocked the secret of alchemy. And now he had been chosen to redeem humanity. He was tasked with starting a new religion that would mix the old beliefs and new science. And once he had amassed a flock of followers, Cyrus would be sacrificed and all that believed in his word would enjoy the eternal gift of immortality. Real quick, we're going to go into a, a, little bit, a little bit of speculation zone. There's a lot going on here. Physically speaking, we see a man having a horrific migraine, weird sensations all over the body, loss of limb control, and one hell of a vision. Probably He's a also stroke. eating lead. Yeah, I'm yeah. no doctor, and Cyrus T barely sounds like <laughs> <laughs> But these sound like the symptoms of mercury poisoning. Oh, Which he yeah. was eating. He was yeah, just very eating, possible. being like... Mm. Yeah, that's mercury. I know. I mean, it. plus we've all had weird dreams. Like I've had that one where all my teeth fall out. Like oh, yeah. you know. But he's he's just eating mercury, being like, "That's mercury." I can tell because it tastes like in retrograde. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think you mean Gatorade. <laughs> yeah. He's just fucking eating mercury and electrocuting himself every day. Kinky. And which is like, all I can think of is the modern day equivalent would be consuming a filet of fish and a gallon of Mountain Dew every single day. Oh, oh God. You will not have a gallbladder. Oh, God. The shits. Philosopher's stone. More like the the fucking. Gallstone? Yeah. The smell. You haven't considered the smell. (laughs) Even if it's not the cause of what he called his illumination, it definitely couldn't have been healthy i don't know i'm That's probably why he was glowing yeah you have heavy metro poisoning harry <laughs> i'm not that's what i mean i'm not a doctor but it does sound a lot like the symptoms of mercury poisoning um after his vision getting back to the story after his vision the first thing cyrus did was write down the secrets of the universe and what would become the principles of his new religion i don't want to forget it don't want to forget those <laughs> also secrets. there was this tea party with a rabbit and a lost girl but whatever they kept calling me the hatter i fine. love i love every time we hear about the vision and somebody's like gotta write this shit down he took his illumination the principles of his new religion to Teedville so that he could share his new discovery with the rest of the Teed clan. Oh, this is just like when you have a cousin who's in a pyramid scheme and they feel like they need to tell you about it. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't want your essential oils. (laughs) I don't need your lip gloss. Please Uh, His father's family basically thought that Cyrus was a lunatic. Yeah, yeah, not, yeah, that makes sense. Not sure. only did most of them already think his branch of the family was descended from the Teed problem child, but a few years earlier, Cyrus's brother Wilson had actually gone insane. Wilson was the operator of one of the first electric lighting plants in nearby Moravia, New York. And one night, the town woke up to find all of the lights getting increasingly and dangerously bright. And when they went to check on the plant, what they found was Wilson standing outside waving his arms around and yelling at the wires. He's just I stopped working so good. 
Hey, The Wire, come back. I loved your show. <laughs> I was like, Omar coming. <laughs> Screaming about The Wire. Um, and back in Utica, he found that even the people he was close to thought he sounded crazy. When he told his wife, she straight up laughed in his face. Good call. When he yeah. told his uncle... His uncle asked Cyrus to leave and suggested that maybe it was time for him to start his own solo practice. <laughs> I think you should go. <laughs> and when Cyrus brought his illumination to the local Baptist church, not only did they reject his new ideas, but they also told their congregation to avoid the crazy doctor and his new office. <laughs> so in the span of like two weeks... In the town of Utica, Cyrus's reputation was finished. So the Teed family packed up and moved to Binghamton, New York to try and start fresh. Fidelia warned her cousin husband not to... I forgot I wrote that down every time. Uh, <laughs> it is true. She told her cousin husband not to make the same mistake he had in Utica. And for a while, he listened. Until he met the over six foot tall Dr. Abby Andrews. Uh, in case you're wondering, Cyrus himself is only 5'6". Is she his goddess? Abby Andrews is a dude. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is he his goddess? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining a Venus commercial and a man in a lab coat shaving his own legs. <laughs> I am your goddess. The two met in the town's drugstore and somehow quickly realized that they had a shared thirst for spiritual knowledge. I don't know how that comes up in a drugstore. I really don't. <laughs> Just a Bible bent over. <laughs> <laughs> over the next several months, Abby Andrews would become Cyrus's best friend, lifelong financial supporter, and most, and most importantly, his first follower. But not everyone in Binghamton was accepting of the new eccentric doctor. Apparently, Cyrus had been so emboldened by gaining his first follower, he started telling all of his patients about his doctrine and it didn't take long for the whole town to start boycotting the doctor that they thought was a crackpot and so cyrus and his family began traveling all over the east coast so that cyrus could practice medicine but everywhere they went the same thing happened cyrus would build his practice get a few patients and then he would start telling them about his new religion and then they would just get run out of town and to make matters worse, Cyrus's wife, Fidelia, had contracted tuberculosis <gasps> and her health was declining rapidly. Aww. Unable to travel as frequently as Cyrus got thrown out of towns, she was forced to move in with Abby Andrews and his family back in Binghamton, New York. For the sake of saving time, I did not follow all of the times Fidelia moves around. Um... She lived with Abby Andrews. Then she went to live with her sister, her own sister. Uh, she, for a little while, lived back with um, Cyrus for, like, a short period of time and then moved back with their family. But she most likely just lived a while and then died. And I don't even have a death date for her because there just there wasn't one listed. Um, so she took, she also took care of Arthur, uh, Douglas Arthur, which is their son. They, she took him wherever she went to, um, fun fact, Douglas Arthur became an impressionist painter. So, uh, yeah, at least there's that. Nice. 
Tired of following the same pattern of moving, stopping, dropping, and setting up shopping all (laughs) over the East Coast, Cyrus decided that he needed to instead focus on his true passion, his religion. And he had the perfect plan. He was going to get accepted by an established group of people so that he wouldn't be dismissed so easily. The first group that he visited was the Harmony Society in Economy, Pennsylvania. And what he found was a successful and thriving commune that was prospering so well that the leader of the Harmonists had even burned the group's ledger to signify that finances were not even an issue to them. Cyrus was so impressed that he began planning his own commune modeled after the Harmonists. His plan was to create a communist and celibate society that would reject the cannibalistic nature of capitalism. Which, like, guys, I get it. We've all been teenagers before. I totally get it. Yeah. But his vision for his future society also drew from the Shakers and the Quakers, two Protestant Christian groups that believed in equal rights. It's a little trembly. Yeah. <laughs> I love them, the name together, the Shakers and the Quakers. It mm-hmm. sounds like a, a new age swing band that's like, that's how, like, it's just good that grandpa's getting around now. <laughs> it's um, a lot of banjos. <laughs> yeah. uh, there were two Protestant Christian groups that believed in equal rights far before it was socially acceptable to do so. Pretty sick. In fact, I think pretty sure it was the Shakers. They were actually led by a woman. Uh, especially at this time. Although Cyrus's reasoning for equality was still pretty problematic. Uh, He believed that when a woman was having sex, they were surrendering their power to men and that marriage was just a form of legal slavery where a man owned a woman. Second part at the time, kind of true. Super true. Yeah. For sure. Instead, humanity should redirect their sexual desires into their desire to be closer to God and the Messiah, who just so happened to be him. But weird reasons to believe in equality or no, he still had one glaring problem. If you want to start a commune, you need a shit ton of startup capital. And that's when he realized something about every society he visited. That they focused their commune around producing and manufacturing goods. The Harmonists spun silk, cotton, and wool. The Shakers built beautiful furniture. And another group of perfectionists over in nearby Oneida, New York, they supported themselves by making flatware so good it's still on almost every wedding registry today. If it is not on my wedding registry. Here's the thing. If you're not fucking, you got a lot of time for crafts. Yeah. This is true. The United community, as you remember. They were fucking a lot. They were That's fucking fair. That's arguably fair. too much. Too much. <laughs> I will say sometimes people ask me, they're like, Andrea, why are you so good at art? It's like, not fucking. This group is essentially the non-fucking version of Oneida. That Mm -hmm. is the best way to describe them. Uh, And in 1880, at the age of 41, Cyrus found his opportunity. Since he had left his family over 20 years ago, the Teeds and Tuttles had been very busy. They had built up their own semi-successful Mop Manufacturing Company. Yeah, baby. Hey, nothing is as sexy as the mop industry, baby. When you hear people talking about the industry, they're actually talking about the mop industry. Oh, of course. Why wouldn't they? 
Stony Kansas here. <laughs> you want mops? I got mops. You put some lips on those mops, that's a sexy mop. Stony Kansas here with the official mop of Poppy Primo's taco <laughs> restaurant. Dr. Poppy Primo's. Dr. Poppy Primo. Sorry. He went to quote unquote medical, medical school. school. <laughs> we can't legally call it that without putting air quotes. Hey, Stony Kansas. This girl's got a beautiful figure and hair you'd be jealous of. <laughs> She's a mop. <laughs> And with Cyrus's father getting up there in age, the family needed somebody to run the family business. So he invited his son back to Moravia, New York, probably almost definitely in order to get him to stop pursuing his career as the leader of some new religion. But fucking backfired because Cyrus saw this as an opportunity and he fucking jumped all over it. Over the... Over the years, Cyrus had built up a small but scattered group of followers, and now he finally had a place to call them to. So his flock traveled to Moravia to make mops and live in the new celibate and God-centric society that Cyrus had promised them. And for what it's worth, that's exactly, really, honestly what it was. The group did get a lot of criticisms from local journalists, mostly because a few of Cyrus's followers were women who left their husbands in order to join, and the articles about them called them stupid and implied that they had small brains, which is what we were talking about earlier. Their biggest criticism was that the women were stupid. But if you read their journals and their public writing, you'd realize that these women were super fucking intelligent. Most of them left to live in a society where they were treated as equals. The childcare, household chores, and all work in general was shared amongst everyone, and there was no stigma against leaving your husband, because according to Cyrus, you shouldn't even have a husband. Uh, inside of the community, they were actually able to have more freedom than they could anywhere else. Unfortunately, the mop business was not very sustainable. I'm not sure if people just decided to keep cleaning messes by throwing their countless children at it until it got <laughs> clean. Or if they were so good at making mops that people only needed to buy one. I don't I don't know what the true reason was. But eventually the business shut down completely and Cyrus's followers scattered back across the East Coast and their leader decided to fall back onto his day job of being a doctor. Um... What a fucking world, by the Why way. Why not fallbacks? To just be like, gotta go back to doctoring, I guess. <laughs> Cyrus moved to Syracuse, where he and his freshly graduated brother opened up yet another doctor's office. Only this time, the practice seemed to thrive. And for a while, uh, for the most part, Cyrus tried to keep his head down. But eventually... The same pattern that had repeated so many times before popped up once again, only this time he had a live one on the wire. Cyrus began treating a woman named Miss Cobb or Mrs. Cobb. She complained that she was suffering from hysteria, which back in the day meant that she was dealing with depression, exhaustion, and sometimes just panic attacks. It's basically a catch-all for women. Be crazy. Yeah. Um... Cyrus decided that the best thing for her was bed rest and to have her treatments conducted in the comfort of her own home. So Cyrus would come to the Cobb family residence every few days and treat Mrs. Cobb. And slowly but surely, he started telling her about his illumination. And at first, she dismissed his crazy ideas. 
But over a long enough period of time, it all started to make sense to her. And so when she paid Dr. Cyrus RT for his services, she started throwing in a little bit of extra cash each time so that he could work on building another commune. And over the course of a few weeks, Cyrus had made a total of $25 off of Mrs. Cobb, which is the equivalent of $500 in today's money. Quick speculation zone. A lot of medical and science terms and the practices we've covered today are antiquated and not really relevant anymore at all. From tasting mercury to using cocaine to stop your tooth from hurting. But one of the most antiquated terms comes from this specific era of time known by some as the age of hysteria. And back then, problems like depression, mood swings, and a lot of other issues were blamed on the deranged action of the reproductive organ. And while we don't have an exact description of the treatments that Cyrus used on Mrs. Cobb, we do know what the most common cure was. Doctors would execute a, a treatment that would give the patient a hysterical paroxysm, although it's most commonly referred to as an orgasm. <laughs> there was also a belief that your your uterus and ovaries would just travel throughout your body. Yeah, they would just yeah. like... <laughs> it's just like that white girl tattoo of your uterus was like always wander <laughs> not all those who wander are lost. lost but have you seen and then there's just ovaries in the chest like how help, help. i am lost how did i get to the lungs some uh, who wander are, are lost. lost uh have you seen vibrators from this period yeah, yeah. They're, just... <laughs> they're industrial baby <laughs> Why don't they still make them? <laughs> because was, they wouldn't have enough electricity for them. That's probably true. I was reading about the methods and they just like mostly were just like small electric shocks. Yeah. Well, the, yeah, those or, still exist as the violet wand. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes also a doctor would manually, manually stimulate, stimulate the organ. At this time, they thought that was just fucking. They were like, that's that's for idiots. Obviously, we shock the pussy. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, we need a machine to do it, so it's better. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then men like get mad that women like... With an, like with a ball on the end yeah. of it, and you're just like, damn. Well, the weirdest part is every time before he started the treatment, he would lick a batter, and he was like, oh, you like that? <laughs> <laughs> you like that? You like that battery? Here's the crazy thing, though. I like how they're like, women be crazy and i'm like women's sexual needs are not being met <laughs> yeah that's, that's really the whole problem of society <laughs> this is, this women's sexual and intellectual needs, needs are, are not being, being met fulfilled. that's literally the story of back then is they were just like women are crazy and it was no dick is bad this is the area of bad dick well also the unwashing oh yeah. honey oh, yeah man. all i'm saying is it might be possible that every few days handsome old dr cyrus came over and i'm putting a little bit of extra emphasis on came he came over you know what i'm saying well he didn't come uh yeah, yeah that's fair because he, he didn't believe in it he for himself concentrating on her <laughs> yeah oh god what a what a i mean honestly boat. though think about it think about the time a dude comes over you pay him he is to handsome get you by off. the way i want to i want to uh, a lot photos? of i we do have photos well we have photos of him as an older man oh but, I want to uh, see him. Yeah. Here. Let's pull him up real quick. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. 
Oh, he can get it with yeah. that yeah. mustache? Especially for the time. Oh, my yeah. God. He get it. Yeah, he's just like a smoldering, just like, mm. Yeah, like, I'm pretty sure Leonardo DiCaprio would pay, like play him in a movie. For sure. Oh, he, yeah. He looks like a magician this a little is him, bit, but sexy. This is him as an older man. No one's described a magician as sexy. <laughs> that's even as an old man. That's He's not yeah. bad. Yeah, that's what not I mean. bad like, looking, he, maybe. He was always described as like a handsome man. Like, he's just always, always pulling quarters out of pussy. <laughs> <laughs> I found this behind your labia is this your come <laughs> <laughs> she's like that's a tip <laughs> well regardless getting back to it, regardless of miss mrs cobb's treatment methods she pretty quickly realized that she was giving money to a man who claimed to be the messiah and she claimed to have come to her senses and demanded her money back and this led to a legal bout that later got decided or later got settled out of court. But Cyrus had found his demographic, middle-aged women. Do you think that he kind of that idea of him being the Messiah was kind of reinforced in his mind from the amount of times that she screamed, <laughs> "Oh god. Oh god. Oh my god." <laughs> he's just looking at her and he's like Damn right. <laughs> just porn dolphining him. Into I feel like this is who Armando would have been in a different time. Oh God! <laughs> He's like, just yo sell- girl. Stop doing cocaine and start doing this dick. <laughs> He's just selling homeopathic remedies, which are joints. This is what Ludacris's song "Vitamin D" is about. <laughs> Oh my God! It's a treatment, baby. <laughs> yeah. In 1892, when Cyrus was 53, he started giving lectures and printing his doctrines in his own newspaper titled "The Flaming Sword." <laughs> <laughs> Bro, it's that syphilis, dog. <laughs> but how amazing would the flaming sword be as a vibrator? Oh, oh yeah. Like if you made a vibrator and called it the flaming sword it lights up i buy 20 like that's amazing <laughs> bro yes yes <laughs> the flaming part is what gets me because that would to me when i think of that i would think of like oh it's a vibrator but it gives your insides the feeling of vicks vapor <laughs> oh see i that or like it's a vibrator it was kind of gay Ooh, I like that. It's it's non-heteronormative vibrators. It's the flaming sword. The flame on it. It's printed. Hey man, whatever. Whatever. Whatever hole you want to put this in. The flaming sword. Come to enlightenment. (laughs) Oh my fucking cult podcast branded vibrators. Let's do this shit. All right, how much is it to make our own vibrators? It's probably less. It's probably it's less expensive than you think. That's probably is about as much as the candles, right? <laughs> um, flaming sword of sorts. Yeah, you're probably not wrong. It's probably pretty close to that. I'm sure we could find it anyway, somewhere. Uh, if oh, you... look, I found him on Vistaprint. Here's the thing. <laughs> no, anyway, uh, he also began writing books that explained everything from the female duality of God, the hollow earth theory, which uh, apparently... I can't tell you why, but apparently his hollow earth theory was different from all of the other ones that were out there at the time. Um, And his particular thoughts on reincarnation. It was hollow until he filled it. Hey, Hey. he made the universe come. Yeah. But never himself. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He started writing these books under the new name Koresh. (gasps) Oh. 
What? Yeah. So Koresh is, uh, as Paige knows, is the uh, the the Hebrew name for Cyrus. Uh, the the title that Cyrus called him, or, or the the figure that Cyrus said he was, was Cyrus the prophet, who was also. Uh, it's Cyrus the Great. So uh, he was essentially the king of Persia and he was the monarch under whom the Jews' Babylonian captivity ended. Mm-hmm. So he was seen as kind of a benevolent monarch and okay. is seen as a, a positive figure yeah. and a liber- liberator. So with his new persona and outreach attempts, he was able to attract followers from all over America and he was able to bring in an impressive 110 members. Together, the followers of Cyrus Koresh Teed, now calling themselves Koreshans, were able to rent an eight and a half acre estate in Washington Heights, Illinois. That's not that much room for 110 people. No, it was. uh, They basically rented a mansion and several cottages. So at least everyone kind of had their own rooms, you know? Okay. Um, But you're right. It isn't a lot of space. And in December of 1893, while heading back to the commune after a speaking engagement, he heard about an isolated development of land in Florida. And trying to avoid more legal trouble, Cyrus visited the land, but found the asking price of $150,000 was, quote unquote, a little out of their price range. Yeah. It's like when we house shop here in California. Yeah. (laughs) And that's uh, $150,000 their money. So I don't even. So that is pretty expensive. Yeah. Yeah, That's pretty crazy. And as Billy Ray Koresh said. Don't tell my heart, my achy, breaky heart. Oh, my God. I just don't think it'll understand. And as his daughter, Miley Koresh, once said, they came in like a wrecking ball. No, they didn't come at all. (laughs) They didn't come at all with their wrecking balls. Anyway, uh, before he left back to Illinois... Cyrus left a few copies of the Flaming Sword at a cable station in Punta Raza. And just a few weeks later, he received a letter from Florida addressed to Koresh. Cyrus and a few of his followers again traveled out to Florida to meet with a man named Gustav Domkler, who invited them to his property. That sounds like a fake name. It. That's like, what's your name? Gu- Gustav Domkler. Mm-hmm. He sounds mm-hmm. like a dude who doesn't fuck but will bankroll your fucking. It sounds like when you say like, "Oh, good to meet you, Gustav." He goes, "Really? Fucking all right? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my name." Damn. I'm not. I'm not a hundred percent sure what Tim Curry's name is in the movie The Congo, but I'm pretty sure it's that. <laughs> Gustav Domkler is. I don't know if I needed to say this. Super German. In fact, when they sent a letter and they opened it and they realized that the letter was in German. And so they didn't know what the letter said, but apparently uh, Cyrus was like, I don't know what this says, but it looks like good news. <laughs> and so it took them several weeks they to find like, somebody. I hate you. Why did you come here? If I know anything about the Germans, a loving people at this time. Um Good with sausages, though. So that's what he has in common. (laughs) So it took him several weeks to find someone who spoke German. And then he translated the letter. And it was uh, Gustav was like, hey, why don't you (laughs) hey, you up? (laughs) Why don't you come over? So Cyrus and a few of his followers again traveled to Florida to meet with the man uh, who invited them to his property. And after spending six weeks with Gustav, 
the man offered to sell the Koreshans his 320-acre plot of land. Cyrus agreed, finally finding a permanent and isolated home for his dream compound. But it was in Florida. Yeah, that's the, I mean, you gotta, they said when they got there, the, the hardest part, and this is not a bit. The hardest part was like when they were going out there, they said the boat trip took so long because every couple minutes, the guy basically piloting the boat had to be like, hold on. And he would just hit alligators out of the way. no. This sounds like a bit. I'm not joking. They were like, yeah, the trip took forever because he was like, I got to hold on. And just hit alligators with the row, with the fucking oars. That's not at all where I thought that sentence was going to go when you started it. Because you started (laughs) it with the hardest part and my brain went, the shaft, go on. (laughs) But yes, so he had to literally manhandle alligators to get to this property. Yeah. I hope they were fairly represented in a court of law (laughs) for damages. I was acting in self-defense against the boat. (laughs) They came into my home. (laughs) without a warrant (laughs) (laughs) by 1904 cyrus's group now called the koreshan unity had settled into their florida compound and was boasting a pretty impressive 200 members damn and in september of 1904 they had amassed enough land uh, because at this point, the way that they kind of make their startup capital is... Uh, gator meat? Yeah, they're just <laughs> fucking killing gators left and right. No, um, they're, it's very similar to uh, the 12 tribes, the Yellow Deli cult, where when you join, and actually most cults in general, is when you join, you would give them all of your property. Right. And then they would sell all of that off, and then they would pool all of the money together. So on paper, they're rich and they already own the land and they can use the land to grow whatever they want. So they just have a fuck ton of money that they use to invest in other businesses um, like stores or, you know, things that people Mm -hmm. would actually use. What a weird estate sale to go to. (laughs) (laughs) And so in September of 1904, the group officially incorporated the land into the city of Estero, Florida. A village slash town that still exists to this day. It is a town that was founded by a cult leader and still serves as a real, like, actual place. Florida. Yeah, it's the only place where this could happen. Uh, Over the next few years, things were pretty good for the Koreshans. They were able to buy up more land at amazing prices. At one point, I think they were able to buy up... I think it was thousands of acres of land for like $3,000 or something. Wow. Tony Florida. Yeah. <laughs> it is Tony Florida. You might know my cousin, Tony Kansas. I'm pretty much the same character, except I'm much more ripped and my hair is doused in gel. Hey. I'm sure it looks You like my that. Abercrombie shirt? <laughs> I'm barely wearing it. Crop top. You like my crop top shorts? Hey, look at my balls. Okay. Um, Sorry. Louise. I'm so sorry. Yeah, your buoys. <laughs> but in 1906, the group ran into some political problems. They felt like they weren't receiving their fair share of the taxes. In order to fix the problem and any other problem that might pop up in the future, they decided to get one of their own elected into Florida's government. However, they were prevented from running in the Democratic primary election that year because they had previously voted as a whole for the Republican candidate in the 1904 election, 
Teddy Roosevelt. Oh, God. Okay. They all voted for Teddy Roosevelt, which, by the way, I'm fucking call me an idiot all you want, but I had to make sure Teddy Roosevelt was a Republican. Mm-hmm. So, because they flip flopped. Yeah. And so I looked up Teddy Roosevelt is, and the top result it was just a badass. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was. He was. Though. Teddy Roosevelt is the most badass. Just his whole. If you ever have time, I think I've said this before, but just fucking all of his shit is just so interesting. To I read feel about. like Yosemite Sam is just based on Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> <laughs> The Koreshans' protests uh, about not being able to run for government started out kind of fun. At first, they started playing loud music in other nearby towns and jokingly attacking other candidates in their newspaper. It was basically like they were just writing roast jokes for the other people. But the surrounding Florida citizens were starting to get upset with the Koreshan unity. The group was starting to get hit by more and more lawsuits, including one from Gustav Domkler, who claimed that the group had taken advantage of him and given him nothing in return. He he claimed that... As far as I'm able to understand, what happened is they gave he he was like, "I'll sell you the land because you're the Messiah, obviously." Right. And all I ask is that I get to keep my cabin, and uh, you help me improve my land, and I get like some of your profits. And they were like, "Uh, yeah, I mean, fine, whatever. That's it's just a verbal contract among friends that'll hold up in a court of law." Yeah. And so what ended up happening is because they're a fucking communist society, no one gets more than anyone else. Right. So they didn't obviously give him anything in return for his land. And they ended up using his cabin for Koresh, a.k.a. Cyrus, and like his the top members to live in. So he ended up feeling like he got fucked over on the deal. Um, fair. Y- yeah, totally, totally fair. But all of this... All of this bad press with the locals or with the other surrounding towns came to a head on October 13th, 1906. While waiting for a train to Baltimore, a group of Koreshans and locals from another town got into an argument. The argument stems from, uh, there's a lot of things at play here. When they realized they couldn't get their own elected, what they did was they realized like, hey, we're such a big fucking community. We can just vote for whoever we want. So they got a candidate elected. And in return, that candidate like helped them with their shit. So once the candidate stopped doing what they wanted, they threatened to like go with somebody else. Right. And so there's all this shit going on and there's like a lot of tension and like political espionage would make a great fucking drama for AMC if they ever want to pick it up. Um, the flaming sword (laughs) (laughs) directed by vince gilligan anyway uh (laughs) they this particular argument stemmed from literally somebody said something to a woman and that woman's husband was like hey man don't talk like that to my wife and the guy that supposedly said the thing was like i didn't say that to your wife and the husband was like, are you calling my wife a liar? And over several weeks, this just got more and more aggressive until people on both sides were threatening violence. Oh, my God. It was literally just like a rumor shit that started yeah. getting actually upsetting. So when the argument started, Cyrus stepped in to try and calm things down. But instead, he made everything worse because he just looked the man straight in the eye and called him a fucking liar. He was like, not only is your wife a liar, I think you're a fucking liar. And so 
Almost immediately, Cyrus got slapped in the face so hard that his glasses flew off of his face. Did they then have a dance-off? Uh, no, they had a severe beating uh, okay. where Cyrus was beat almost to death. Oh, my Whoa. God. By the town's marshal. Oh, my right. God. Shit. Yeah. Uh, the locals, along with the town marshal, beat a few of the Koreshans and Cyrus Teed almost to death before arresting them and taking them to Lee County Jail. It was there that they each posted bail of $10 each. They chose, obviously, for or for obvious reasons, they chose not to appear for their court date, but eventually the charges were dropped because everyone here is not great. No one's in the right. Yeah, no one, yeah. no one truly is. However, Cyrus never fully recovered from his injuries and his health continued to decline over the next two years. He died on December 22nd, 1908, just three days before Christmas. How old is he now? He is 69 years old. The Lord's number. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, literally, like, he spent his, like, the middle of his life just giving women orgasms and he realized he was going to die at 69 and he just went... <laughs> he died uh on december 22nd 1908 just three days before christmas and most corrections believe that this was on purpose and that cyrus's resurrection would be their christmas present oh santa didn't bring you shit (laughs) no Uh, They placed his body in a zinc bathtub and watched over it for five whole days. After that, the county health officials forced them to bury the body because it was decomposing so bad that fungus was starting to grow all over the body. (laughs) Some people even claimed that they thought something must be happening because the body of Cyrus Teed had been, quote, growing a third arm. I don't know where. I saw a picture and it didn't look like there was anything, but that was a picture from also after only three days. Um, I don't know what the significance of zinc is, by the way, because it looked like it decomposed fast as fuck. Like I, well, it's may, Florida. It's, could, yeah, again, yeah. It no could air just be conditioning. Yeah. There's no air conditioning. It's humid as fuck, and yeah. there's just like water everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Um. So health officials made them bury the body. And he was buried in Estero, Florida, in a concrete tomb. But a hurricane, because it's fucking Florida, in 1910 destroyed his resting place and took his remains out to sea, where he still floats probably somewhere in the same zinc bathtub that he was buried in. Wow. Uh, just given the amount of orgasms he gave ladies, I think I know where that third arm was. <laughs> Yeah, he died a hero. (laughs) He truly did. Uh, The group pretty much disbanded after that with less than a quarter of the population choosing to stay in Estero. Hedwig Mikkel, a woman from Germany who came to America in the 1940s to avoid Nazi persecution, she found the unity and became the group's new leader, although she made no claim to be a messiah like Cyrus had. In 1961, she donated the land to the state of Florida, and it is now known as the Koreshan State Historic Site. And that is the end 
of the Koreshian Unity and their three-harmed leader, Cyrus Teed. I told you guys about the guy I went to college with that we called Baby Arm, right? Yeah. You told me. Uh, I might That might have been in the Marie days, that, I mean, possibly, because he, he was at her wedding, and it was at her wedding that my sister and I were like, what's Baby Arm's real name? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you told me that story. I remember yeah. that. God. Um, real quick, before yes. we finish up. For sure. I wanted to talk to you about the last thing that Cyrus Teed did before he died. Her name is Bernice. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, no. Okay. He before he died, what he wanted to do was write a, a novel that would explain the apocalypse that he thought would come and take out uh, the world eventually. Um, and it's it's it. It's in the same vein as the Turner Diaries. Oh, no. Kind of. Uh, so the plot was... Gators. <laughs> bam! Bam! <laughs> it's just them taking them out with oars. Teed's novel is an apocalyptic story in which Japanese and Chinese forces invade the United States and bring about Armageddon. In the book, thousands of people come together in Florida... <laughs> Uh, in the city of Estero, beginning to build 1,000 mysterious machines, but no one knows what they're building them for. And then, as the Asian invaders close in on Florida and things look unwinnable for the city, the author reveals the purpose of the machines. Basically, they were drones. <laughs> He, he was like, yeah, they built a bunch of drones. The people have created radio-directed flying machines, or as Teed calls them in his book, non-gravel wireless power aerial navigators. Oh, God. <laughs> the commander of the fleet of wireless airships, well, her name was Princess Admiral. <laughs> okay. <laughs> is this what Star Wars is about? <laughs> <laughs> don't mind me i'm just dr captain <laughs> i'm queen i guess that would be admiral huh? I was general queen general queen just general queen <laughs> that's actually a great i fuck real good and i do what i want you know general, general queenery queen. <laughs> the name of his book was the great red dragon colon or comma the flaming devil of the orient <laughs> what the that fuck, is the dude. full title of his novel and he wrote it under the pseudonym lord chester <laughs> just... oh god that sounds like a delicious fun dish <laughs> no dude you want to try the flaming devil of the orient you get a free t-shirt i can't even with this <laughs> i cannot Th that is the story of cyrus reed Koresh Teed. And I hope you guys enjoyed it. Oh, man. Holy shit. I need to go listen to some Ludacris right now. <laughs> Just to feel better? or No, because he's got that song about curing women with orgasm. Ah, there you go. There you go. Um, Yeah. Hey, everyone. This episode and uh, pretty much every other episode from now on is going to be brought to you by... Bum, 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 bum. Our Patreon donors! Y'all are the best. Uh, we love you. 
so much infinitely and we couldn't do this without you and we just wanted to say thank you and so uh one of the best ways to do that is by giving you a shout out shout out Uh, and if you haven't received a message asking what your preferred shout out name would be please reach out because obviously not all of you want to go by your full government name (laughs) right um so we reached out and asked what you wanted to be called and now we're gonna read a couple of those names every episode uh so i've sent you guys uh some of the names (laughs) and i think we each go i'll go and then Paige will go and then andrea sounds great um so our first one uh i i want to give a shout out to reverend think a lot (laughs) (laughs) this is uh this was the first person to respond and it is one of the fave my favorite sentences i've ever had to say can't wait to hear your mixtape bro uh i would like to follow that up with a shout out to canadian adam (laughs) who i imagine shares our love of poutine and if you don't like poutine you can't fuck with us if you don't like poutine you're basically french uh that's all that i'm sure french would love poutine i'm pretty sure they invented it yeah in it anyway uh i'm gonna give a shout out to Lacey b aka the only person in iowa uh enjoy all that corn sweetheart Uh, and I want to give a shout out to Kellyanne. Kellyanne, thank you so much for everything you do. Uh, I hope this isn't Kellyanne Conway. <laughs> oh, no. If it um, is, get out. <laughs> it's it's very much not, unless it is. I don't know. But uh, yeah, Kellyanne, thank you so much. You are one of the best. She's easily the best Kellyanne we know of. So. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. I would like to give a shout out to Mel DePriest, which is... It sounds like that's your last name, but if you wanted it to be a great rapper name and be Mel DePriest, you should do that. It sounds like a character in a novella where they just like shoot somebody (laughs) and then put on sunglasses and they're like, it's the priest. <laughs> Straight up, Mel DePriest sounds like a great vampire name. <laughs> oh, yes. All right, drop everything you're doing, run to New Orleans, get bit in the neck, ASAP. Rocky. Uh,. <laughs> I also want to give a shout out to Allie J. Uh, I don't have anything fun to say. I don't know. What what can I riff about? I don't it's know. It's Alt J's daughter. <laughs> I was, was going to say it's, it's the Allie G reboot. Ooh. Oh, yeah. That's, that's good. Also good. That's good. I do want to say, as like going back to vampire characters for a second, uh, someone did invite us oh, to yeah. a live action Vampire the Masquerade LARPing event. We will be attending mm-hmm. and we will be responding to you for the messages that you sent about characters momentarily. Of course. Yeah. I can't wait. It's a week before Paige's wedding. Yeah, and I'm I said, still going. I said, are you going to be kind of busy? She goes, I don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you'd like a shout out or you'd like to hear any of the bonus content we did. Uh, recently, we just released our first Patreon bonus episode and it is an episode on the history of the Hitler stash. Yeah. It's a really fun time. It's one of my favorite episodes that we recorded. And I really hope that everyone who is a Patreon member uh, enjoys it because at our lowest level, you get a shout out and access to all of our bonus episodes. Straight up though. That was a good episode, but the one we got in the can is fire. <laughs> I still have things in my fridge from the one that we, that I'm we taped so for excited. after. If you are not a Patreon member yet, 
Become a Patreon <laughs> member by next week because the episode we're about to drop is so fucking good. <laughs> or I guess in two weeks, right? No, yeah. it's, it's it'd be next week. Yeah. It'd be next week. Uh, it is arguably some of the most research I've done <laughs> and in also, a while. I would say one of the best episodes it's, we've ever it's done. It's almost two hours long. <laughs> Did we have to cut it in, in half? We, I didn't have to cut it in half, but it's a it's a long boy. <laughs> and uh, Boy, we clowning on that one. Um, I, I think my favorite thing about the episode, if this doesn't convince you to do it, uh, it is not sad. Mm-hmm. No one gets hurt. Uh-uh. And we potentially find a solution for incels. Ooh. I remember. I don't know why I'm acting surprised. I was there. I'm so excited. And um, it's so good. There's a taste testing at the end. <laughs> yes. And if you don't sign up by next week, you can always, always, always get that. Anytime you sign up, you will get uh, our entire backlog. Right now, that's only one. But, you know, every other week as we grow, it'll be uh, uh, basically you'll get two plus maybe bonus episodes of cult podcasts every single month and that is fucking awesome they're super great uh they're very fun too um so you can become a patreon member or you can learn more about our patreon and our rewards by going to patreon.com slash cult podcast secondly we've got a uh live show coming up it's tomorrow it is yeah when this comes out it's tomorrow so if you didn't buy your tickets yet buy them now save Mm -hmm. yourself the money um a bunch of you have which is great super happy super excited gonna be cake it's gonna be great it's at uh, Geeky Teas and Games in Burbank, California at 7.30 p.m. Woohoo! Ow, ow. Yeah, it's going to be great. It's also the celebration of our two-year anniversary. Two years! Yeah, it's going to be great. I, uh, I think it's going to be an awesome time. If you want to learn more about our live show or buy tickets, you can go to cultpodcastshow.com slash Burbank. We're two years old now, so we learned the word no, and you're going to have to start locking the cabinets. Is <laughs> <laughs> that Windex? I'm going to drink it. <laughs> Give me them Tide Pods. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, if you are in the San Diego area and you want to see me do stand-up this week uh, on Wednesday, the day after our live show, I will be at uh, Whistle Stop, which is one of the most fun shows in San Diego. They get great headliners every time. Uh, it's going to be great. If you want more information on that show, or if you want to uh, send me your third arm. Uh, oh, God. Oh, no. Do I'm not cut God. off your dicks and send it to us. <laughs> we do not want your dicks. Send us your blood. Um, Don't send your blood. <laughs> That's a no on blood. I'm not going to Google can you ship blood. I've already Googled if a cousin marries a cousin is the baby also their cousin. I'm pretty sure that whatever FBI agent is watching my search history is just like, what the fuck, dude? He's not a danger, but what the fuck? <laughs> That's as weird as like Proganonant. It's like a Yahoo Answers ask question. Uh, I literally had to Google, is orgasm medical good? Uh, it's because I was doing part of the research at four in the morning. And so I needed to figure that out. How is Babby formed? <laughs> well, a Babby is formed when two second cousins love each other very much. Oh, no. Anyway, you can do all of that on Instagram and Twitter at Mondo Does Stuff. That's M-A-N-D-O Does Stuff. And you can find all my other show dates at MondoDoesStuff.com. 
And uh, thank you for those of you who came to Roast Battle last week. Very, very fun. Oh, fuck yeah. Uh, by the time this airs, I will have already done the show that I'm about to do tonight at a barbecue restaurant where they're paying me in both money and barbecue meat. Nice, nice, Amazing. Nice, nice. nice. Uh, so the show I have coming up is our live show. And then I am uh, doing the pre-battle spots for Roast Battle on September 3rd. And that, I believe, is my last show before my wedding. Nice. Because I, your girl got to, like, prepare shit. Um, but well, when you're going to do a tight five at your wedding. <laughs> yeah, for <laughs> sure. Uh, when I get back from my wedding, uh, I'm battling Tom Whalen November 5th. Nice. So, yeah. Oh, shit. I got a battle coming up. Oh, who are you battling? I'm battling uh, Julian Fernandez on oh, hell yeah. September 10th. Uh, if you guys want to send me any drawings you've made of Lizzo holding Marilyn Monroe's head. Oh, shit. I forgot about that. that. Shit. Send that Please shit. send it to me on all the things at Sundress Comic. Also, check out my art. It's pretty dope. At Andrea Gazetta on Instagram oh, or no. on my website, AndreaGazetta.com. There's no Lizzo holding a Marilyn Monroe head. I'll tell you that much. I feel like you should paint Lizzo. I think I'm going to have to. Yeah, yeah you have I to. I think this is what we have to this do. This is a verbal contract between friends. <laughs> Fuck the painting for my wedding. <laughs> That's what we should do. Also, if you want to see me uh, do stand-up, I will be at the Hollywood Improv at 10 p.m. on Thursday, August 29th. That's this Thursday uh, for a show called Best Buds. Nice. So, uh, it's people that are weed adjacent, I guess, because this is what Armando's gotten me into. I don't know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of weed adjacent, Andre and I will both be uh, in Palm Desert, California, doing the Gateway Show on September 6th. Uh, it's going to be real fun, real fun time, real awesome fun time if you want to see us do comedy and then get really high. Just too too high well, i would say you're not gonna get high because you're gonna drive with me home right i'm not driving uh billy anderson is driving oh my god so i am going to get redonkulously high i cannot wait i'm gonna spend that afternoon and evening having hardcore oral surgery ah. <laughs> and then jake and i are going to texas the next day so. it's very funny well at least you'll get to have a bunch of coke <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, if you like the show, <laughs> I was going to say if you want to send us cocaine because that was the first thing that popped Please up. Please don't that do that. Dude, that's a crime. That's a crime. I, I think don't even do asking it. for it is a federal Don't crime. do it. Send us baking soda. Us, yeah. No, 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 no. Don't send us any powder. Please don't. I, I don't, don't want to be on any more lists than I already no. am. Yeah, no, we're already on lists. Jesus. Just be normal humans and send us your blood. <laughs> No blood. Uh, no can... body fluids. <laughs> you can do that unless it's a doctor prescribed orgasm. Uh, you can do that. Don't... No, don't, don't send us. I a bunch of like fishy smelling packages. What's wrong with you? <laughs> then you don't want to go to Seattle. Um, you can send us anything you want on Instagram at Colt Podcast. Or on Twitter at Cult Podcast Show. You can also send us a fishy email to cultpodcastshow at gmail.com. Or if you're a dude from Seattle, send us pictures of your fishy package to 3756 West 7040, Sweet K, number 237. Like, like the, the Shining. Shining, Los Angeles, California, 90065. <sighs> oh, man. Uh,. I think for this one, I'm going to say don't drink lead <laughs> or mercury or Gatorade.
<laughs> and don't drink the Kool-Aid. Bye. Bye. Y'all want to lick some batteries? <laughs>